Hey there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast, where our goal is to equip you with the tools you need to ditch the prayer guilt, grow in your relationship with God, and pray like you and nobody else. Stay tuned for our latest episode after this quick word from our sponsor. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Hi there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and today I am really honored to be here with our guest, Dr. Deepa Sukumar, author of Do Not Be Anxious, a devotional that is just, I know, going to be um, very helpful to so many of you, um, just about coping with anxious thoughts and anxious feelings. Um, But additionally, Deepa was raised in the Hindu faith, but through some unexpected personal encounters with Jesus, one encounter in particular, she became a Christian and it's just an amazing story. So today we get to sit down with her and allow her to share her story. So Deepa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm very thankful. Well, before we get into your story and talking about your devotional, we would love to know what your favorite prayer closet is. Where do you go to be close to God? And it could be an actual room. It could be totally off the wall, whatever it is. Where do you go to pray and feel close to God? It kind of varies if I'm outdoors by nature. That's my favorite prayer, you know, prayer closet because I, I really love nature. I just feel the presence of God so much in it. I mean, I just feel like God just created it for us. Well, otherwise it's going to be my wardrobe closet. I just shut myself in there or it's my bathroom. I find the bathroom is just, it's just very logical. You're alone typically. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. And nobody bothers you because they think you're, you know, you're you're actually, yeah, sit down. It's actually really good. Yeah. Thank it you. is. I've actually had times being at work and having to pray and I would just go into a bathroom stall yeah. and just take a minute. And, you know, yes. even if someone else is in there in, in the bathroom itself, you can just pray quietly and but, just feel like oh. you have that moment. So mm-hmm. yes. that's good. Absolutely. Well, can you share the story of this encounter with Jesus? When I heard this, I just thought people need to hear this. Yeah. Absolutely. So I was raised in a Hindu background. Um, and, you know, I, so I, I grew up in, a, I mean, I grew up in a Hindu background and we were pretty conservative, you know, very conservative, um, you know, and, and so what would happen is that, and I went to a Catholic school because Catholic schools in India were the best when I was there. And so, you know, parents would just, you know, they wanted their children to speak English properly, you know, to, um, you know, read well. So I was in Catholic school from fourth grade to all the way till 12th grade. So in Catholic schools, though, I would, in the choir, we would sing like Jesus loves you and this little light of mine. Honestly, I really did not think too much into it because when the time came, 
you know, our, my Catholic friends went to catechism class and I went to moral science class. So it was almost like, hey, you know what? You have your own God and I have mine. And um, I mean, the concept of the gospel uh, was, not, was not revealed to me uh, until years later. Um, but I think it was the dis- divine design of God to kind of put me in that school uh, for various things. I think for a prayer covering, I know that the nuns must have prayed for me, uh, for me to have just a little bit of exposure to Jesus, you know, in whatever way I could. Um, That was one. And then number two, I do feel, I do feel that there was a kind of a spirit of oppression operating in my life from very early on. Uh, Maybe the spirit of fear, you know, just, um, just those kind of dark clouds, if if that's what you know could be um, kind of described about. Again, you know, um, I used to immerse myself in studies, which was honestly, I mean, God's gift to me because I, when I read and I was wanted to ace all the subjects, you know, I was kind of distracted and I did my bit and I, you know, I was just you know going along in life. Um, but during and then there has been a history of suicide, uh, like in my paternal side and dad's side uh, but honestly nobody spoke about all those things and so um, when I went to medical school because typically in India you went to, you go to medical school when you're 18 or 17 because you finish high school and you go straight to medical school so when I went to medical school though um, I you know again I was you know concentrating on my studies I was doing whatever I was supposed to do but um, I just felt no peace it was, it's very kind of indescribable, just like the joy of the Lord, the peace of the Lord is so indescribable. You can't put in words when there is some kind of an oppression from the enemy. And I'm sure a lot of people around have that and they just don't even realize it. And the enemy just kind of is in the background trying to sabotage and operate. He's like this, you know, a, kind of a sly creature who wouldn't even want you to know he exists and then he would operate. I I just, I knew that um, there was something amiss in the sense, like I wasn't feeling everything outside looked well. I mean, here I was, I was in a really good med school, was doing well in school, um, but something in me was like, I just wanted something more and I didn't know what it was. And I would just was going about, you know, looking at wrong places in the sense, all the, you know, peer groups and friends and stuff like that. And then I do remember, but this kind of, uh, but that this feeling kind of got stronger later. So I'll just address that. But third year in medical school, um, I had an issue and I think there were about 200 people in my class and uh, there was one Christian born again believer. Uh, His name was Dominique. And I thought, okay, you know, I have this question and he seems wise, which is kind of, I mean, he's the only Christian I was Hindu, but I didn't know. It's just that maybe, you know, you're a Christian, you know, the wiseness kind of exudes. I don't know what it is, but I just went to him and I said, mom, you know, I have this issue. And he was like, okay. And he advised me and I'm like, I went separate ways. And the next day he came and said, Deepa, I, Jesus did not, you know, I couldn't really sleep well last night because Jesus kept telling me, I sent my daughter to you and you did not tell her about me. Oh, wow. And, And I was like, okay, here he is trying to convert me again, because that's something that as Hindus, we were always kind of subconsciously thinking, okay, they ever talk about Jesus, they're trying to convert us. So we're not 
got a, you know, most of us, you know, I'm not sure there might be other people. I'm, I'm just speaking for me. I wouldn't fall into the bait. And so I, I was very polite to him. Uh, and I just parted ways. And I don't think for the next two, three years, I ever even sat and talked to him because I was like, I'm not taking that Jesus thing again. However, around that time, that was a third year medical school. One of my friends who was a Hindu, she got converted to Christianity around that time in a very dramatic way. And so um, around that time, I mean, she wasn't that close to me before that. But then once she became a Christian, I just felt something about her love. It was just so different. I mean, I, I had never experienced that love from anywhere. You know, for me, love, the whole term love was conditional. I mean, I do well in my school or do these certain things. My family would accept me and they would keep talking to me. If I behaved a certain way, my friends would accept me. But this girl was different. I mean, I, I, I was like, she doesn't expect anything from me. And she just wants to give I mean you know so so what she would do is she would take me to like so I I don't think I was I think I was very stubborn I I don't think I would just accept I was really I think you know you should call it what it is I think I was very dark stubborn and just proud you know what I mean and I thought I don't need your God which (laughs) which is the most foolish thing to do now I know but So what happened was whenever I was going through any tough time, she would just not tell me the gospel. She would just open the Bible, read verses from the Bible, just pray for me. That's all. She would just do it. And and then she would say, I'm not going to come to your places. I'm not going to come to your temple, to your things. If you want to stick around with me, you come wherever I go. And that was actually okay with me because I was like, she's so nice and she's so loving. So I used to go you know, to her, to the chapel when nobody was there, she would open the Bible and pray. And there are days I would just sit and there are days she would pray and I would listen. And there are days I would be like, I'm not going to change. I mean, what is she trying to convert me? I'm not going to change. Um, and so when, when all these, I mean, so that happened for about two, three years. And, and I think I wasn't, I mean, I liked the verses in the Bible. I liked everything. It was very comforting, but, but I wanted to not change myself. Like I wanted to just not, you know, give up and go completely on the other side. And I think when you do that, you're actively sometimes resisting the hand of God Um, and you can't blame him. You know what I mean? You can't blame him. So during those two, three years, I went through a lot and then the oppression in me kind of got really bad one day when I was, um, when, when I was in, I think the last year internship in December, 1997, And to me, my major thing was, I just felt, I just had this feeling, everything in life revolves around what I do. So I'm reciprocated. Um, As I said, if I read well, if I do well, if I behave well, what happens if I don't have the strength to do any of those? You know, what happens if I'm just lying in bed? Maybe I'm emotionally completely worn out, physically worn out, who's there to take care of me in a loving way. And I don't, I knew Rohini would, but I mean, my friend would, but I didn't get any proper answer in my logical thinking for that. And that just, just put me down. <laughs> I was like, so there's really no hope. I mean, you know, and it's, and I, I just felt hopeless. That was the point. And that night in December, 1997, I just said, I didn't even call on the name of Jesus. Um, and I just said, if there is a force in heaven, 
uh, I just looked up and I said, if there's a force in heaven, do something about my life. Um, if not, you know, I'll just end it. And I think I really wanted to, uh, because I just, I just couldn't find answers. And I thought, I mean, I really thought the world system was just so weary. Uh, it was a rat race and I was just tired, you know, um, and I just did that. And then what happened was the next day I came down um, and I know I couldn't, I couldn't sleep that night really well. I came down and um, Rohini, my friend, she was there and she saw me and um, she actually, we kind of discussed this a few, you know, a short while ago. And she said, Deepa, there was completely like your face was drained. You know, it was almost like death was staring. And so I, I, she took me to the, um, you know, whatever the, she took me to the chapel and she started just reading the Bible, just like she usually does. And as she was reading the Bible, she read Hebrews uh, 13 verse five. I mean, she, she read Hebrews 13. And as she was reading one, two, three, four, five, fifth verse was, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I, I really don't know what happened. It is an encounter. I mean, it's a it, it doesn't, I cannot explain it scientifically, but who cares? <laughs> you know, I had an encounter and then it's almost like um, that spirit of hopelessness, suicide just left me, just, just left. And um, Rohini said, like when we were discussing a short while ago, she said, as soon as I read that line, I knew Deepa, you had an encounter with God. Your face just changed. It just lit up. And so I remember just getting up that I don't, I don't know whether even I said anything to Rohini as soon as I heard the words, whatever it is, I just remember getting up and just walking. I, I even remember exactly what color sari I was wearing. I was just, I was walking and I, I, I felt three or four things. The first thing I knew was the first thing, I mean, I, I can't tell it in order. I really don't remember it in order, but these were the three, four things. Uh, was God almost telling me, for your whole life, you've depended on human beings. I mean, people, that's what he said. And from now on, I'm going to take care of you. It was almost like your whole life, you depended on people to take care of you. And I'm going to take care of you from now on. And I'm going to take care of you like a queen. It was, that word was given to me. I don't know. I don't know whether, you know, we were royalty, not royalty. I don't know anything that was. And then second, I literally felt like an embrace from behind. And then I had a picture of an iron spine, like me having an iron spine, which I think looking back, it's almost Jesus telling me, you've been full of shame and guilt and all bent down in your whole life. And I'm going to give you an iron spine. So almost like I'm your, you know, banner kind of, I'm not sure what it is, but that. And then third thing was, I knew Jesus was Lord. Nobody had to tell me he was Lord. Before that, I used to think, ah, oh, he must be a good man who didn't fight his enemies. You know, he went on the cross. Um, I, I just knew he was Lord. Um, there, was, there was just no question about it. Uh, so that was December 1997. But it took two years for me to um, kind of leave everything and come and say, you know what, Jesus, you are Lord. Uh, partly because I had to. It was shocking to me that everything that I had learned as, you know, as being a Hindu for, I was 22 then for the, so many years, uh, you know, I couldn't understand that that was not right. I mean, I was just struggling with the fact that I had to let go of everything and embrace only Jesus, um, the sovereignty, like, the, you know, he's the, uh, you know, he is the only one. 
right? I mean, I had to embrace that. And then number two, I had to tell my parents, I had to tell my family, which weighed very heavy on me because um, it's not acceptable, especially for a young you know, girl who, you know, who's going to be, you know, uh, you know, go, going, going into kind of arranged marriage. It was just not the right thing to do. And it would bring kind of a lot of chaos down on the family and around the family, especially because we live based on like community and stuff like that, you know, and, and it's, it's an honor-based culture and it would bring dishonor, frankly, for, for, uh, for, uh, you know, for my parents. But then those two years, See, that's the beauty of Jesus. As soon as I, he revealed himself to me, he didn't say, oh, you leave everybody and you do, you know. That's the thing about our Lord. He always understands you and he always comes to your level and slowly picks you up. You know, the one thing I know about our Lord is that he would not, he would not take a hammer and nail you down. He would come to your level and that's why he came. I mean, he's the Lord of heaven and earth. If you think about it, he's the Lord of all the galaxies and he would come down to our level, which is like the utmost level, lower level. And he would come and he would say, okay, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to you're going to, um, you're going to be redeemed, you know, from the curse and whatever you, you know, you're going through. So he, I, and I did not feel any condemnation during those two years when I went to, I used to go to temples and I used to go to church and I used to read the Bible. And at, but at one point I remember the Holy Spirit telling me, people, what are you doing? You're mine. And what are you doing in these places? And that kind of convicted me. It was like, it, it was his love, you know, never once did the Holy, the Holy Spirit or, you know, God tell me, you know, what are you doing here? You, know, you come out or you'll be punished. No, it was almost like that slow change. And so in December of 1999, um, I just, you know, just, you know, it was my living room in India. I just knelt down and I said, okay, Jesus, you're the way, the truth and the life. And this is how it's going to be from now on. And I, and I had to go through a season or even years of, you know, um, just being, um, I wouldn't say just being, you know, uh, alienated from my family. Um, but I think he prepared me for that. And the way he prepared me for that was showing how much he loves me and how much valuable I was to him. So it was not like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm leaving all this. It was almost like when, you know, there's a person, and I think there's a verse in the Bible, this is, uh, you know, when a man finds, you know, um, uh, you know, that's the kingdom of God, right? He There's finds something, he will go sell everything because he knows the value of that, right? I, I knew, I mean, I had never experienced love like that. I, I would challenge you. I mean, just, you know, if you know Jesus and you really know how much, you know, he loves you. I don't think anybody, any, anybody can beat the love. People can love through him. You know, every good thing comes from him. People can love through him. And, uh, you know, people can show favor because of him. But to me, he is the only source, you know, of good things. So that's my conversion. Just, you know, long, long version or short version. I'm not sure. Well, did you, so during those two years when you were still attending temple and like, mm -hmm. were you engaged to be married to someone you mentioned arranged marriage? So were you betrothed to someone or did your parents have someone in mind? 
No, they were looking for someone, which is what the honorable thing to do is in India, which is right. arranged parents always you know kind of do it and they do it in a nice way they do it based on okay you're you're educated let's go find somebody educated but it'll be sure, in the same looking out for your best interests and picking someone really nice probably <laughs> yeah i mean yeah in the sense you know they they want it it will be from the same cast but they will go through mm -hmm. a lot of things and a lot of astrology too but mm -hmm. they were looking uh, but I think it was God's plan and nothing was settling, like nothing, everything was just, you know, going away. Um, and I also remember, I used to think, okay, now I'm a Christian. So the culture suggests, and so I'm going to marry a Hindu. And then once I marry a Hindu, I have to go through this years of persecution for some time where I'll have to stand up for Christ and pray for this man and get him saved. But I think, you know, so what happened was uh, I used to, um, I used to be a part of a Christian physician kind of a Bible fellowship group where I worked um, in India. So they used to have these prayer meetings. And so one of my uh, friends there, you know, one of my men mentors there, she said, why don't you come to this prayer meeting? And I remember um, uh, we were sitting around in the prayer meeting and this girl, she came to offer her testimony and she said oh I was a Hindu and I like this guy who was really you know handsome and I asked him you know oh you know would you be something like that would you be interested or something like that and he said no I'm a believer I would marry somebody only who is you know a believer and then she said you know then I fell in the fell in love with the bible and then both of the both of us got married as Christians and she didn't say anything more than that but then when the chance came to pray for you know we after she she gave her testimony. We were all sitting down on the floor in a circle and the chance came for everybody to pray. And as soon as it came on, I mean, I think it was the Holy Spirit. I just started saying, ask for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. I, I just, that was, the, I just kept repeating the words and I, and I said, I'm going to marry a believer in Christ, which if you think about it, it was almost impossible for me because I, culture, tradition dictated that I would only marry somebody from my own caste in Hinduism. So he, when he gave me that verse, I, I kind of stuck to that verse for a very long time till it came to fruition. So, um, and then there were so many alliances that just came and this just disappeared into the wind. I mean, um, as, as a girl, I was in, I was not allowed to kind of tell my choices, you know, that's how the culture was. And so it would just come and we would pray and it just, just dwindle away. So I, I knew it was God. So. So did you end up marrying someone that your parents were approved of and ended up choosing for you? Or did you choose your husband totally independent of your parents' wishes? I think it was God who chose it for me because um, so when, so it's so funny because I, I mean, I, I'm not a typical normal kind of a wife kind of a person. If you, the characteristics, because I don't sue, I don't clean really, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. cook too fabulously. So my parents always had their doubts. They were like, I don't know. Uh -uh. So so, as, and I used to think, okay, you know, I wasn't really bothered about it. But then as, I, I remember as soon as I became a Christian, God said, take a piece of paper and write down what you want in your husband. Hmm. And I said, that's just so not Hindu, Lord. You know right. what I mean? I, I'm, <laughs> because I'm supposed to not ask anything. Whoever yeah. is there, I'm supposed to like be a good wife. And he said, write down everything and put it in the Bible. And he used to say, 
fast. I think it was every Wednesday, fast every Wednesday for that. It's so funny. I used to write it down. I wrote it down and I said, Lord, this is just a little too much. And God said nothing. He just said, just write it down. And then he would say fast every Wednesday. And then I don't know, fasting was fasting and praying. So I would just go to work, come back, watch TV. And at five o'clock, I would end my fast. You know, the, the reason I'm telling you is that I, he was just so loving through all of it. You know, I, I, I find, you know, I found him so, and I still find him so, I mean, I still find him so non-condemning, which was a huge difference for me. I'm like, um, of course, you know, he's strict, you know, he's strict with me and he instructs me. And, you know, if I have a trust issue, uh, you know, any kind of issue, you know, uh, he's there to correct me. But the correction is just so it's it's so loving and firm at the same time that it's it's kind of hard to, you know, to kind of push it aside. And that's kind of the father that I came to know through just, you know, after embracing Christianity. So when um, so when I was in India, my, my present husband, my, my husband now, he uh, he was a Hindu and he met me in the hospital and then he followed me when I left to U.S., uh, but he was a really, he was a very strict Hindu. Um, wasn't really liking the fact that I was um, a Christian at all. But he, I think he liked me as a person. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so um, so I think um, March, no, February of 2004, of course, you know, I, I had a lot of people praying that, you know, and, and I stood on that verse. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, we're not going to have anything else. We're going to just be, you know, we might not be a perfect house, but we, we will serve the Lord. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I remember... 2004, February, um, I was doing residency in New York in pediatrics and he was down in Nashville and I went down for Valentine's Day and he got me a huge Jesus frame or something like that. And he thought maybe I'll, I'll get him something like, you know, like um, a little bit like Hinduish or something that he likes. Um, and I got him a Bible and I, and I wrote in the Bible to my future husband, who is a believer in Christ. And I dated it February, 2004. I gave it to him. Um, of course, he was not happy at all. I mean, he was not happy. So um, December of 2004, though, um, no, March of 2004, spring break, um, one of his friends um, told, who was, a, who was a Christian, who has been praying for him, said, um, you know, this is the most read book in the world. Why don't you read it? You know, um, and my husband was like, okay, you know, I don't have money right now to go anywhere for spring break, which was, I think, God's, you know, uh, you know, the way of God setting up things. So I, he read, um, he read the Bible in three days. So he read the Old Testament on Friday and Saturday. And then on, he said, my husband always says, you know, you can make so many movies out of this Old Testament. It's so much drama. And so, so Friday and Saturday, when he read the Old Testament, I think a couple of things kind of clicked in his mind. The first thing was um, we, so every, the Hindu temples have poles or pillars like Asherah poles, basically, you know, and it was clearly said, no poles should be there in my temple. When God says no Asherah poles for that, for some sort of strange reason that caught his attention. He was like, why is this part, you know, this God telling no poles. And, and then the second thing he was telling was, um, Bible says all the time, you know, every every hour of the day is blessed, right? Every time is good time. 
um, well, in Hinduism, we are very strict about times. Like we have a calendar every and to for every day, and there are good times and bad times. And you know, you wouldn't if there's a bad time, even if you have an important appointment, you're not allowed to go out. I mean, some people follow it super strict. Um, uh, you know, some people don't. But so that was kind of eye catching for him in the sense why is this different and so and then on Sunday he read Matthew Mark Luke and John and then he read John he just said he felt love that he never felt before I mean he was like why are they first of all crucifying him again and again and then uh, and then when he read John he said I never felt love before but then I think he closed the Bible after that because he thought you know so people are, I mean, he thought he knew I was praying for him, but he thought, okay, people are doing some kind of like a thing in his mind because this book is like kind of shaking him up, which is what the Bible would do. Um, so he just uh, slept. And then the next day he, you know, he went to the temple, he couldn't stay there. He came back and he just gave his life to the Lord. And then 2005, February, we got married as Christians and, you know, and, it, uh, that was my first Christian wedding. I had gone to a Christian reception before, but that was my first Christian wedding. My wedding was the first Christian wedding that I've ever went to. And, and I think that's when the word of the Lord just was fulfilled after so many years that as for me and my house, you know, we will serve the Lord. So that was the story from my spouse's side. Yeah. Well, Deepa, I love your story. And one of the things that really caught my attention was writing down those, those um, wishes for who you were going to marry and not even realizing the fasting and prayer was fasting and prayer and, but just being obedient to God. And it just reminds me, and I think it should remind all of us, just prayer isn't kneeling by your bed and pouring no. out your heart to God, prayer can take a number of forms. Well, and mm -hmm. so just for you to write out those desires of your heart and then just being, being obedient to God in what he asked of you fasting, even if you didn't associate, okay, well I'm fasting and then I'm going to pray also those, the things you wrote down in obedience were prayers and that fasting was yes. an act of worship to God. And I just think that's so amazing, you know, just how God meets us where we are. And mm -hmm. I just, and I love that the man that you wanted to marry wasn't originally a Christian and God oh. totally transformed him. So yeah. I'm, what a, what an amazing story. Um, well, is there anything else? We, uh, we, we talked briefly about needing to have a second part because I still really want to get into this do not be anxious, um, your mm -hmm. devotional and kind of some of the things surrounding anxiety. I think it's so important to talk about that, yeah. but I'd like to wrap up this part right now, um, mm -hmm. just cause we're getting, getting to the end of our time. So, um, is there anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, especially? so yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked that Jamie. So there are a couple or maybe three points I would always, you know, tell the listeners. The first thing is that God is your father. He's not your slave master. He's not, I mean, he, I'm not sure what your earthly experiences as, you know, as having, you might, some of you might have had great fathers, some of you not, some of you must, might have had absentee fathers, but I would just say, don't base your assumption of characteristics of God based on your earthly father relationships, if they didn't turn out to be really well. Um, I mean, there are great fathers and I'm so thankful to God for them because I feel they're 
they're so needed in this world. But I would just read the Bible and understand what kind of a father he is. I mean, he's a father who's so steadfast in mercy. He's a father who's so abounding in love, so immeasurable. I mean, he gave his only son for you. Even if you are the only person on earth, he would have come to die for you, to rescue because he loves you so much as a son, as a daughter. So I would just say, you know, just go through the Bible, look for his loving characteristics and know him for who he is. That's number one. And number two, um, if you are struggling with the faith or if you even like if you're if you're from another faith and if you're just struggling and asking, it's OK to struggle. It's OK to have doubts. But my only plea is that don't take those doubts and leave his presence. You know, stay in his presence with your struggles, with your doubts. I mean, all of us, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not, I'm yet to meet a person who has no doubts or struggles. So you don't, you stay in that presence and you, you, you just, you know, work it. I mean, he will work it out in that presence. So I would just say, I mean, if you don't know Jesus, it's okay. Just go, go to a separate place and ask Jesus, are you real? I mean, or just like I said, you know, if there's a force in heaven, there's, you know, you could just be honest with him. I mean, if there's one person you could be super honest with, it's God. So I would just say, just be honest with him, with your struggles, with your doubts, but don't leave his presence. Um, you know, because some things, you know, will be revealed over years, you know, or some things might be revealed only in eternity, but you don't leave his presence. And third, I would just say, don't expect your life to be perfect to go serve other people. You know, you're not, you know, you, you we're not perfect and we have our weaknesses and our failures daily, but somebody needs that hug. Somebody needs, I mean, Rohini was there when I really needed her, you know, somebody needs your word, your kind word. So I would just say, um, just as you are, just go and just, you know, be a blessing and, you know, we're not a blessing because of us. We're the blessing because the Holy Spirit is within us and the Holy Spirit will always work it out. So, yeah, so these are, you know, some things that I always remind myself and I always share it with, you know, everybody around me. Oh, those are all so good. I love that last one just about not being afraid to serve. Not Don't wait till you're all cleaned yeah. up and perfect to serve yeah. or you'll never do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah. Well, where can our listeners find you online and connect with you and find your book? So my book, Do Not Be Anxious, you know, you could, uh, I think you can get it on Amazon.com. Um, and then if you have, if you want to communicate with me, um, enter my rest 2020 at gmail.com. So you could, if you want the copy of the book, you can even email me. So it's enter his rest 2020 at gmail.com. Okay. I will make sure that's in our show notes and really appreciate you being here with us today, Deepa. How can we yeah. um, pray for you today? I'm going to close us up in prayer. Just, um, you know, just prayer that our family is, you know, will we'll just always be in his perfect will. <laughs> yeah. And not turn to the right or the left and just complete our assignments on earth. Thank right. you. We'll do that. God, we just thank you for this time with Deepa and just the story that you've given her. Lord, we just pray that you would allow her to get it out to as many people as possible, just to share the hope that you speak to us, you meet us right where we are, and just to continue to bring glory to you 
through her struggles and the ways that you've lifted her up out of those. And we just thank you for that, God. We thank you for your sovereignty, for providing her with a husband who's a believer and just going before her in all of these ways. And we just continue to pray for her, God, for their home and their marriage. Um, We pray for her relationship with her family. We pray for the salvation of her family members and friends who don't know you. Yes. We just ask that you would continually help her family to put you first and just to keep you at the center of their home and their relationships with each other and with others and just guide them in next steps, each step of the way for your perfect will for their lives in Jesus name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.